Miracy. Sometimes risking forward looks like stepping back. And sometimes risking forward looks like saying no. It's sometimes a risk to say no. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer those burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. Now, as business owners, we deal with goal setting, planning, and getting clarity. And as coaches, we help and guide our clients with the same activities. And I would dare say that many of us believe that it's the only way to succeed. But there is another way according to my guest, a new and often what I feel like can be a counterintuitive way. In this episode, I'm going to have a conversation with the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Risk Forward, and founder of Rock the Room. She's a performance strategist for top leaders and teams, and over the years, she's developed a full suite of products designed to help individuals and organizations uncover their hidden genius and express them with the unexpected twist that distinguishes their work. Today, I've invited Victoria LeBalm to the conversation. Victoria says, some people know exactly what they want to achieve, but risking forward is for the rest of us. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. Victoria, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know you have helped me so much with this topic as a coach, as a business owner, as a woman, just in all parts of my life. But before we dive into today's topic, would you mind sharing just a little bit of your background with our listeners? Absolutely. So I like many of us, had many interests growing up. We all have that. We often think we're wrong for having different disparate interests. Mine happened to be in the performing arts. So I loved acting and comedy and characters and directing and choreography. And people kept giving me a hard time, like, are you going to pick a path? When are you going to choose your lane? And they got married and they had kids and I was still floundering. And I just kept trusting each step. I just followed the elements that interested me, even though I couldn't quite see how they were going to come together. And ultimately, they did. I went through a really tough period, like many of us, with the pandemic recently. For me, I'd also had 9-11 in New York City, where I lived. I witnessed that. And seeing the towers come down, the question I asked that many of us asked during the pandemic again here was like, am I doing the right thing with my time? Is this where I want to be going? And the main question I asked is, how can I help? And I think that's a wonderful question for all of us to ask. How can I help? Where can I use my gifts to help others? And one thing led to the next, I got asked to help speakers with their storytelling because I had all that from my, my world of the arts. I'd been doing one-woman shows. I'd been on Sex and the City. I'd told 30-second stories through a television commercial. I learned how to land a message in 30 seconds on TV. So I started helping speakers, then I started helping executives, I started helping coaches, consultants, advisors, and my business took off. I started speaking in all kinds of venues around the world and running workshops. So really the message of this is I never had a plan or a goal. I just kept following what interested me. And it landed me in wonderful places like knowing the one and only Melinda Cohen. (laughs) 
Now we've known each other for, oh my gosh, like going on seven, eight years now, but you have helped me so much with how to show up as a leader. Like I said in the beginning of this, as a woman in all parts of my life with this topic in your book, Risk Forward. And I know you've coached me on this. Let's dive in. Like, what does it mean to risk forward? What does that mean? It really means to go forward, heart open, even if you're a little off balance into the unknown. To some degree, it's the opposite of go for your goal. Because with risking forward, you're not always 100% sure where you're even heading. And I really came up with this term based on a physical movement. Now, this sounds odd, but for those of you listening, try to visualize a movement where you're stepping forward onto one foot and you're off balance because you're leaning so far forward. This was a position I learned when I was studying mime with a French mime artist named Marcel Marceau, and he called it risque avant, which was the French word for risk in advance. And I came to think of that as a philosophy for life. Like how can we move forward, heart open in our lives, in our work, in our career, even if we're not sure where we're headed? When I was reading your book, you gave a metaphor uh, with the sailboat and it was the arched open in the wind, heart open, like you described. I'm like, oh yeah. And as soon as you said that metaphor, I actually moved my body into that position And I could feel more confidence in the midst of uncertainty when I would take that stance inside of a situation where I might be nervous or it might feel daunting. And I love that metaphor. It helps me to embody what you've just described. Yeah. Thank you for raising that because it's a beautiful description. And it's in the book, Risk Forward, this idea of a sail arched open with the wind. And that is the stance of confidence. And it's also the stance of moving forward. It's hard to move forward when we're shrinking back like a little squid. It's about being open. And I think we've all had this experience in our lives where we move forward with that vulnerability and that heart forward and people respond to it. I know when I'm speaking on stages, I know when I'm talking with top executives, the C-suite team, I work with all kinds of advisors and consultants and there's a shift in the room. You can feel it when someone's coming from a place of authenticity. And it's so rare these days because People puff themselves up. And often in the worlds that we're in, Melinda, we know this, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and people pretending when, in fact, when they're truly honest and they say, you know, I'm struggling with this decision instead of saying, I'm clear. Because clarity, as I say in the book, is the place that we arrive. It's not the place from which we begin. We begin in this fog. We don't always know. And then we get to clarity. And there's so much pressure to be clear, have goals. So I wanted to speak to the part of people which isn't clear. And I love what you said a minute ago, move forward with vulnerability. Some of my values are authenticity, transparency is one of my biggest values. And I have learned over the years, if there is a cape for us as a superhero, I think our vulnerability and transparency is that like it is our superpower, at least it is for me. And I love how you said that this is moving forward with vulnerability because in today's world, that's what people are looking for, that authentic connection, that aligned connection. And this is where those shared values, where we can share that, helps us to move forward in that way. Absolutely. And I also feel like it's in that gap when we are vulnerable that we can create some of our best ideas. You know, when we're in that gap of not knowing, it's fertile and it's full of promises that I say, like at the edge of not knowing is the beginning of the extraordinary. 
Like the next time you're like, I don't know which blog to write, or I don't know which product to create, or I don't know which person to hire. Like my encouragement is to not just go forward, say, well, wait a second, let's hang out in that not knowing briefly, not forever, not wallowing, but is there something that we need to look for and pay attention to? Because once you commit, you're kind of going. Once you've hired the person, once you've decided on the product, you're going down a path. So it's good to say like, let me make sure this feels authentic to me. I love it. One of my girlfriends describes it as living inside the question and it allows us to pause. And like you said, see what's there and consciously listen to ourselves first and foremost, so that we can be the guides and creators and creatrixes of our journeys and our experiences, whatever it is we're trying to put out in the world. Totally. And as you know, Melinda, the book is really for anyone who's struggling to find their next step or they're in a place of not knowing. But there are four questions which help you find your way. And one of them is like, what interests me now? You know, what is pulling me forward now? And what was the line, live in the question? It helps you like, all right, I'm not sure. So what would be a way to find my way? Like what interests me or what don't I want? I love that. Now I've been thinking about my early years in business. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I did not have any idea what it took to run a business. I was a great leader in my other jobs, manager, executive role type thing. But to have my own business, that was a new territory for me. And so my go-to defense mechanism was perfectionism. Now, I'm a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) but for the longest time, that was at the forefront. And if it wasn't perfect, I didn't move forward. And I look back and I'm like, how did I move forward at all? If that's how I was showing up in the world. But when I was in kind of that survival state, like that was my go-to. And then I learned there's a difference between perfectionism and holding high standards. I definitely hold high standards, but don't have to be perfect. But for those that are listening, what do you tell those that are falling into that perfectionism trap is what it felt like for me so that they're not held back by that perfectionism, but can embrace risk forward. Because if I think back in those early years, if you told me to risk forward, I would have said, are you nuts? Right. What do you tell that person? Well, I think it's different for everyone, but I'll give you a few sort of strategies here that can help. So for anyone listening, pick the one that seems to resonate for you. One of them, I'll give you three. One of them would be to know straight out that things should be not perfect. It's a line from my mother. It's in the closing chapter of the book. Things should be not perfect. And I love that. So whenever I'm getting upset with myself, like I I do something, I'm like, ah, I kind of, I, you know, had a typo or, oh, I shouldn't have said that one little piece in the keynote. I just go, that's the way they're meant to be. That's life. It's not perfect. So just letting yourself off the hook and knowing that's actually the way it's meant to be. Number two, I learned from a mentor years ago And this, some people believe, some people don't, but he said 80% of the way, most people won't notice the the rest of the 20. Like depending on how high your standards are, I actually would go like 99% of the way or even 101% of the way. But for some, they say, look, 80% is good enough. That's going to move it forward. And the third is just similar to that. It's the MVP approach, like minimum viable product, move it forward as much as you need to in that form in order to get to the next state. So if you're trying out a costume to work on camera, let's say you're going to do some videos and say like, all right, 
let me just try this with my iPhone in the store to get the minimal vibral product to see if this is even the right outfit to wear. Let me just do a small beta test of this product with a few friends or a few new clients in a small scale way to see if this works. By the way, this is why I call it a micro risk in the book. Everyone always says like, go big or go home, which I think is counterproductive. So I always say, what is the smallest micro risk you can take to try out this not perfect thing? And I'll give you a very personal example. I'm working on a one woman show right now. I'm going back to my theater roots. The first performance I did was for three people in front of a fireplace in my living room. I was like, that's all I can handle right now. I'm just going to do three friends, lowest stakes possible so that I knew even if it wasn't perfect, I wasn't going to feel embarrassed. I love that, the micro risk to try out this not perfect thing. Like I'm all about research mode, like live into research mode so that you can research something and then decide based on real experience or real information, not what your mind is making up. I love the micro risk. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure in our world. Like people say, you know, tell everyone on your email list that you're going to do this and hold yourself accountable. And for some people that might work. I think for others, like I said, it can be counterproductive. And sometimes it's better to just tell three people, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when we talk about risk, why should we lean into risk? Let's just break that down. I think it might be obvious, but I just want to speak into that for a second. Well, as I say, one of three things will happen when you risk forward and they're all good. Number one, it'll turn out to be the right path for you, whatever that is. Like I have this interest, this idea, following me, I'm going to give it a shot. So turns out your instincts, your interests were correct. Number two, that actually isn't the right thing, but in so doing it and stepping forward into it, because it was calling you forward for a reason. As you step forward, you then realize the correct direction. So it's not until you step forward that then you can see around the corner. You couldn't see around the corner unless you step forward. So you see where you're meant to go. That's option two. Option three, maybe even that doesn't work out, but you never regret. You never regret. You know, that the number one regret of the dying is that they didn't live true to who they are. That's Mm. the research, right? And Mm -hmm. risking forward is about living true to who you are. Because sometimes risking forward makes no sense to anyone else. Like when I wanted to go study mine, people were like, what are you going to do with that? How is that going to make a living? What are you going to be a mime on the street, Victoria? Like they gave me such a hard time, but I just trusted the instinct. And it ended up adding zeros upon zeros to my bottom line because it distinguishes my brand. Now, most of our listeners, coaches, entrepreneurs, those service-based kind of entrepreneurs, right? would you say that they are more risk averse than other entrepreneurs? Um. I think it's case by case. I do think the problem, and I keep harping on this because I feel very, very strongly about this, that they tend to do what everyone else is doing. And risking forward is all about doing what's right for you. So if everyone else is pushing forward, then they're like, oh, I got to push forward, right? Everyone else is launching. I got to launch. One of the greatest success stories in my risk forward experience, I ran a course on it, was a woman who was a, a coach and she had a lot of pressure to launch a certain product line. And through the course, you go through the four questions. And one of the questions is, what don't you want? And she's like, I don't want to do this. So her risk was to not do it, even though everyone else was. So I say in the book, sometimes risking forward looks like stepping back. I think it, right? That's a good one. Like, let's just say that one again. That's a right downable. Sometimes risking forward looks like stepping back. 
And sometimes risking forward looks like saying no. It's sometimes a risk to say no, but I'm going to have the courage to say no. That's the risk forward. Now, how does somebody tap into that courage when they're especially brand new in their business or they're launching something new and they're in that vulnerable state? How do you tap into that courage to take that step when you know it's scary or daunting or vulnerable or very different from anything else that's going on? We've all had successes in the past and we've all been through that fear window. So the first can be to really reflect back on a time that you made it through that fear. The second is to trust that, that what I call in the book, the inner current. It's that inner current that's pulling you forward and to connect to that more than anything external, to be like, I feel it. I have to trust it. It's scary. I'm not even 100% sure where it's taking me, but I'm going to follow it. So to tap into that inner current and really listen within, those two will really help. I love that. And the inner current. And I love how you said, tap into this, connect with this more so than the external. Now, how can coaches detect the resisting of risking forward is going on for them? How, how can they handle that? How do they navigate that? How can they navigate when they feel resistance? Yeah. When resistance is coming up, they don't want to risk forward. How can they detect that for themselves? Detect that they have resistance. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, that's a good question. Steve Pressfield, the great author, he says, the, the greater the project, the greater the resistance. So sometimes the things that are most important to us, we sometimes feel the greatest resistance towards. That's when you open the fridge 15 times before you finally sit down. So we detect it like a magnet. There are going to be a lot of voices in our head. In the book, I call them the voices or the voices that say things like, how are you going to make money at that? How's that going to work? You know, where's that going to lead? Do you have enough experience? You know, all what I also call the clock of angst in the book, all those voices. So those negative voices that are the, how are you going to make money? Or that's not worth it. Or where's that going to go? The moment you hear that, that's not your hidden genius. That's resistance. So you just acknowledge those voices. You're like, well, thank you very much. Not very helpful. And you keep going. You take that micro risk. You set yourself in place and you keep moving forward. I always say, trust the idea that can lead to the idea. Like it may look ugly at the start. It may be odd, but just trust that. So don't judge it on the first round. Don't let other people judge it on the first round. I say early ideas sometimes look odd. So give yourself a freaking break. You know, say, yeah, this is a crappy first draft or yeah, I don't really have all the answers yet or I'm not sure yet how it's going to make money, but let me follow it. Now, If you have a client that's struggling, is there like a go-to question that uncovers what matters to them when they're going forward to help them stay in that risk forward momentum? Uh, There are a few questions, but one of them, and I referenced it earlier, is what don't you want? Because it clears away the debris. I say, what don't you want? And they go, I don't want a big team or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to include this element, whatever it is, that's a clarifying question. The other is there's something I call the iceberg of indecision. And when you're having that struggle or those doubts, there's a reason for them. And that indecision carries wisdom. And if you look at what's holding you back exactly, that's worth listening to because it really can help people because they go, oh, indecision is not necessarily bad. It's just me trying to pay better attention to what's really going on. So I'll give you a few of those questions. Things like, um, what might not be right? 
or what could be a better alternative? What am I not admitting? Those can really help you find your way forward. I love that. One of the other things that I loved, it's towards the end of your book, you talk about the five myths. And one of the myths that really stood out for me, you call it the myth of speed. And with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I encounter, they're in this state of overwhelm because their passion is so heightened with knowing the work that they want to do, the mission that they're on, the impact that they want to make, how much they love doing this thing that they know they're made to do. So their enthusiasm has them hurling forward into the future. (laughs) It mixes with the overwhelm of, I have no idea how to run a business and all that collides together. So when I meet them, everything feels urgent. And they're like, I have to get everything done yesterday. Right. So can you speak to the myth of speed? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely times when you got to move on it, right? Whatever the it is, you know, the plane is leaving, get your butt to the airport. But there are other times when speed is not necessarily our friend. So I have found, you know, everyone has their own rhythm. And I learned this from Marcel Marceau. He used to say, trust your rhythm, your own internal timing. And it was a way of how you performed on stage. And I think how we perform on stage is how we perform in the stage of our life. And whether it's developing a team and hiring people, they always say, hire slow, fire fast, right? When you're building your team. That's worth paying attention to. Hire slow. Speed is not necessarily your friend in the hiring process, like really doing your due diligence because it's hard to unhire someone. It's problematic. It's, you know, better to take your time in the beginning. So, you know, whether it's choosing your next book or how to set up your business or which kind of clients you want to work with, it's worth moving in an organic fashion, whatever that is to you. I have great capacity personally for certain things that I can do really quickly when I'm in the flow, but others I need time for. And we each have that. So it's really honoring what you can move fast on and what you need time with. I know that's vague. No, it's so good. And it also speaks to what you've been saying throughout the whole conversation here about trusting your inner current. Now, I want to summarize some of the things because we've packed a lot into this conversation. And you kicked us off by giving a great definition of risk forward, moving forward while feeling slightly off balance, but with your heart open. And we talked about that sailboat metaphor that you can move forward with your heart open from that place of vulnerability, authenticity, and transparency. And I like how you took us inside the gap of vulnerability, of not knowing where it's just full and fertile of ideas in that place and to embrace it and hang out there intentionally. And you gave us some questions to find your way when you're not sure what's happening or what that next idea should be or how to make that decision. Personally, I loved our conversation about the topic of perfectionism and how to move forward and not fall into that trap. And you gave us the thing that your mom said that things should not be perfect. It's life. It's not meant to be perfect. And to remember that at all times. The 80-20 rule always comes up. And then another favorite takeaway is the micro risk. To try out this not perfect thing and validate it. How do you feel with it? What do you think about it? What do you notice with it? And to get some feedback. We even talked about why do you lean into risk as a way to living true to who you are. And it's not about 
doing what everybody else is doing. And again, another takeaway, this was a write downable for me, sometimes risk forward is stepping back or not stepping. I love that takeaway. That just, that helps me to locate my inner current. You talked about the courage. How do we tap into the courage to move forward? How do we detect within ourself when resistance is showing up? And you gave us some great questions for our clients when we're encountering a client that might not be moving forward, risking forward, and how can we help coach and navigate them? And then you gave us that great iceberg of indecision, which is also, all of this is in your book. And I just love the magic of your book. We talked about one of the myths that you cover in your book, the myth of speed, and just to how to trust that rhythm, to how to live into the truth of who you are, to boldly, unapologetically, outrageously show up on your path, whatever that might mean. Victoria, do you have any parting words for our listeners? I do. I do. Well, I have some gifts for your listeners. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I should say first, and you can corroborate this, Melinda, that the book is not a typical book. It's based on the layout of a children's book. So it's full color. Every page has pictures or words going up the side of the page or in a circle. It's very playful. You can read the book in any order. It's great for your clients because it's all about finding your way. Mm-hmm. It's called Risk Forward, and you can download a few free chapters. And you can also listen to and watch a video interview I did with my husband, Frank Oz, who created the character of Yoda and was one of the original Muppets performers. And in that interview, we talk about risking forward and what it meant to me, what it meant to him with all of his work. And my parting words are to repeat what I said earlier, that you're not wrong for not knowing. And at the edge of not knowing is the beginning of the extraordinary. Full body goosebumps. I love that. And I've seen that interview. It is a great interview. And it's a book that I keep on my desk, actually. If I could show you, I've got tabs and post-it notes and dog ears in it. It's a great, great book. And Victoria, thank you so much for coming to the show. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love you, Melinda. And I wish everyone listening here uh, inner current and inner courage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a huge thank you to Victoria for this incredible conversation about Risk Forward. You can find out more about all of her gifts and all the interviews and everything at riskforward.com forward slash pod. And I'm Melinda Cohen. You've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Making It and Course Lab. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer and post-production was by Post Office Sound. If you want to listen to upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. 